Good evening, friends. Welcome to the well and welcome to our Christmas Eve candlelight service. My name is Ryan Gear. I'm the pastor here. And if you're new with us, you're our guest and we're glad you're here. If you'd like to let us know you're here, just text the word welcome to 480-530-7234. It'll text you back with a digital connect card. Just fill that out and tell us about yourself and you'll get more information about the well. Thanks for being with us tonight. And at the end of the service tonight, we're going to sing Silent Night together by candlelight, the way that we always do in person. And obviously it's different this year, but I invite you wherever you're watching to grab a candle and at the end of the service, light that candle and sing Silent Night together with us by candlelight. Now this Christmas is going to feel different than others. We're celebrating this Christmas during the darkness of a pandemic, often at a distance from the people we love. And it may feel even more painful because we have warm and fuzzy feelings around Christmas, kind of like a Hallmark card. We view it as a season of, of light and inspiration and um, the feelings that we have toward Christmas do not match our experience of Christmas this year. But if we read the Christmas story on that first Christmas in its historical context, we realize that the first Christmas was not like the warm and fuzzy Hallmark card type of feelings that we normally have. The real Christmas story tells us that Jesus was born into a dark, noisy, violent world, a world ruled by dictators like King Herod and Caesar, the emperor of the Roman Empire. It was a world with fear of disease. The reason there are so many healing stories in the New Testament when Jesus heals the blind or those who can't hear is because there was no medical science to speak of. And when we hear about ICU beds being filled up during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are essentially returned to those times when we are not sure we're going to have the recourse of medical science if we really need it. So there was fear of disease and there was also increasing hatred and division in Jesus' society. There were political extremes. Some wanted to over, overthrow the government. Some were violent. And so when we read the Christmas story in the light of its historical context, we discover that the first Christmas was actually a lot like this one. When we talk about light shining into the darkness during the Christmas season, we now know what that darkness feels like. The world into which Jesus was born was just like our world in 2020. And so this Christmas feels a lot like the first one. What made that first Christmas calm and bright in the way that we sing about uh, in a Christmas carol like Silent Night is that light shined in the darkness. Light uh, appeared in a very dark world and that's what we're talking about tonight. Light at the end of 2020. So how do we celebrate Christmas in a year as dark as 2020? On the first week of this series, we talked about the relationship between grief and joy. And we said that in 2020, all of us have experienced probably several losses. We usually think of loss as losing somebody we loved. And maybe that's true of you. Maybe you have lost a loved one. But in actuality, we've suffered all kinds of losses this year. The loss of a job, perhaps. The loss of financial security. The loss of a sense of safety, if you fear the disease the loss of relationships because some of our relationships have been strained by the division in our country around the election. And maybe you've, you've felt the loss of normalcy and you just wish that things could feel normal again. All of those losses must be grieved. A seminary professor that I had said, every loss 
must be grieved. And you know how grief works. When you feel grief come up, you express it and you talk about it and you, you think that it's gone and then all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere and hits you all over again. And, and then you feel it and you express it and you talk about it. And over time, those feelings of grief and sadness fade and then joy and happiness can return. But right now, at the end of 2020, we're grieving. And it's okay to just acknowledge where we are. We have felt the depth of the darkness this year. Over 323,000 Americans have died from COVID-19, including the loved ones of some of us here in our church. 1.72 million have died globally. We have witnessed behavior in the United States that we did not anticipate from politicians to white supremacist groups to relatives who, who at least tacitly support those people. Some of us have experienced those strained relationships because of those conversations we've had. Personally, I've read, I think, three messages this month that I would have just been better off not reading. Maybe you can identify. And we have people at the well who have lost jobs and, and who face financial stress. The anxiety we've lived with this year has taken its toll. Back in August, I gave a sermon series entitled Distressed, Living in an Age of American Anxiety. And at that time, I quoted a, a survey uh, called the Household Pulse Survey. It's a partnership between the National Center for Health Statistics and the Census Bureau that found that at that time, about a third of Americans reported symptoms of, of anxiety and feeling down that could be diagnosed as generalized anxiety disorder or depression. In November, that spiked right around the election to 37.2% of Americans who could be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder or depression. It's now at 36.8%. That's among all Americans. Among Americans 18 to 29 years old, it's 51.4%. So if you feel anxiety and you feel down here at the end of 2020, and you're wondering how you can celebrate Christmas with those feelings, you're not alone. You have to try to find humor wherever you can. Stephen Colbert said, 2020, the year that took years. It feels like that, doesn't it? When we hear more bad news, I've, I've already seen people comment, that's so 2020. When something bad happens, the latest piece of bad news arrives. Oh, that's so 2020. I think for years to come, whenever something bad happens to us, 2020 will be synonymous with a bad experience. Like in 2025, if you have a bad day at work, you'll come home and you'll be like, man, I was just 2020 today. 2020 will always be thought of, I think, as just synonymous with difficult, challenging experiences. A guy I follow on Twitter made brownies for Christmas, and he said the recipe called for a cast iron pan, and this is the only pan he had. Apparently it's made for corn cobs, and he made brownies in that shape. He said his wife refuses to eat them. I don't blame her. My family took a photo in light of all of the mask controversy this year and used that for our Christmas card. So you have to find humor wherever you can. And I found that it helps to think about things that you look forward to doing after the COVID-19 pandemic ends. So I'm looking forward to going on date nights again with my wife. Before COVID, we tried to go on date nights once a month and I'm looking forward to vacations with my family 
And I want to ask you, if you're willing to comment, wherever you're watching right now, on, on our online platform or on Facebook, if you would be willing to type something in the comments. And just by sharing, you can encourage each other and you can express yourself a bit too. So would you type in the comments right now, what is one thing you look forward to doing when the COVID quarantine ends? Would you type that in the comments right now? What is one thing, probably many things you could think of, but what is one thing you look forward to doing when the COVID-19 quarantine ends? Would you type that into the comments section wherever you're watching? You could probably list lots of things, but what's one thing that you look forward to doing when COVID-19 ends? Would you type that in the comments? And it just gives us hope just to think about there will be something beyond this. So how do we celebrate in a year as dark as 2020? Our scripture today is the familiar Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. It's the announcement to the shepherds of the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to read the familiar Christmas story together and see how the Christmas story could shed some light on that question tonight. How can we celebrate Christmas in a year as dark as 2020. Let's read together. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to, to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In verse 9, an angel appears, and, and the scripture says, The glory of the Lord shone around them. It implies a sudden burst of light. The glory of the Lord shone a burst of light shining around these shepherds like a, a cloud of intolerable brightness. In Hebrew thought, this is the Shekinah, the, the glory of God, the visible manifestation of the presence of God. Shekinah means dwelling or settling. God was now living among these shepherds or settling down upon these Shepherds, the glory of God in Hebrew is kavod, and it can mean weight, like the, the gravitas of God, the weight of God. If, if somebody is the kind of person who's charismatic, and, and you'll say about that person, when they walk into a room, you can just kind of feel their presence, the gravitas, the weight 
of that person. That's what the glory of God is. And so the weight, the gravitas, the power of God settled upon these shepherds. In a burst of light that enveloped them. That's the picture that we have here. And they were terrified. They were afraid. And what are the first words uttered by the angel? Do not be afraid. And the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The light brings good news of great joy to all people. When the, when the light comes, you know it. And the light is good news of great joy for all people. I mentioned looking forward to going out on date nights again with my wife. Um, we tried to go out for a date night once a month and definitely on you know, big days in our lives. And so for our anniversary date last year, we went to a restaurant in Chandler and, and after dinner, we ordered a cheesecake for dessert. The server told us the, the chef here makes this amazing gourmet cheesecake that is absolutely incredible. And so we ordered the cheesecake and then I ordered some coffee to go along with the cheesecake. And the server brought out the cheesecake and the coffee and, and we took a bite of the cheesecake and he was right. I mean, the cheesecake was absolutely amazing. And, it, you know, he, he wasn't giving us a sales pitch. It, it was that good. And then I took a drink of the coffee. And I said, wow, this coffee is incredible. I said, try this. And I handed it to, to my wife and, and she took a drink of the coffee and she said, wow, yeah, that is. That coffee is, is ridiculously good. And then I, I took it back from her really quickly and took another sip. Like, that, is, that might be the best coffee I've ever had in my life. It, it was that good. And so we just, we passed this coffee back and forth to each other and just shocked that, that this was just the best coffee we had ever had in our lives. And so we finished the cheesecake and, and finished the coffee. And, and when the server came back out, I asked him, what kind of coffee is this? Like, this is just absolutely amazing coffee. What is this? And he said, it's Folgers. And my wife and I just looked at each other and we've had Folgers before. I mean, don't get us wrong. There's nothing wrong with Folgers, but it, I never thought, you know, this is the most amazing coffee I've ever had. We had to be convinced, like we had to check it out for ourselves. We bought Folgers at the grocery store and yeah, you know, he was right. You know, it's, it was Folgers and, and we realized it wasn't the coffee. It was the fact that we were eating this amazing homemade gourmet cheesecake that made the coffee better than it was on its own. When the light appears, the light makes everything around it better. Perhaps the light of Christmas in 2020 means anything that makes the darkness better. The light makes everything around it better. How do we celebrate? Well, at least we begin with the belief that when the light comes, it makes everything around it better. For some in the United States, their religion is what actually gets in the way of making 2020 better. Perhaps you have been shocked but not surprised 
that the most vocal religious people in the United States are often the ones who end up supporting things that seem so antithetical to Jesus Christ and what their religion purportedly stands for. It's those who claim to be the most committed Christians often who doubt the election results or who doubt science, who doubt medical science, who doubt their governor's actions to institute a quarantine to try to keep people at home and keep COVID from spreading, or they, they resist wearing a mask or they, they doubt the vaccine etc. They view their religion seemingly as an alternative to reality. They view their religion as an alternative to science, an alternative to facts. Their religion, in a sense, is a set of alternative facts. They use their religion to oppose the rights of certain people. And maybe you're trying to make sense of that. Maybe you've been asking yourself in 2020, how, how is it that people who claim to follow Jesus Christ are the most vocal people supporting racism and who are vocal against science and even undermining democracy. How is that? Well, it's reminded us that religion has a history of opposing the light. That is the plot of the Gospels, actually. Jesus' opposition came from very religious people. In the Gospels, Jesus is the protagonist the antagonists in the story are very religious people. Religious people can actually find themselves opposing the light. The singer Bono said in a, an interview, religion can be the enemy of God. It's often what happens when God, like Elvis, has left the building. The trappings of religion are still there. The religious language is still there. There's a lot of God talk. There's a lot of Bible talk but they are far from God because even in their religion, they find themselves opposing the light. You don't see the light in them, but we do know the light when we see it. A person in our church named Candy posted a, a photo of her cat on Facebook because it's fa Facebook and that's what you do. But she, she also posted this profound reflection when she saw her cat lying uh, in the sunlight in their living room. And I asked her for, for her permission to read her reflection tonight. And, and she was kind enough to grant me permission. So I want to read Candy's reflection that she shared on Facebook about the light. She wrote, funny how you see the same thing almost every day and not add much thought to it. But when you are still and contemplating or just searching for reason, Sometimes the definite answers aren't there, but instead ones that we can draw comfort from. As I see Molly move across the room according to where the sun falls, the light is obviously comforting to her. The warmth physically making a positive impact on her inner peace. And as I apply this spiritually, I am reminded of the cruel dark shadows that enter life robbing us of the comforts and peace that light gives, the, that shadow being one that will forever be present. Yet I also realize light and shadows are intertwined. Where one is, so shall the other be. To many, light represents different things. Sometimes it is their faith in a higher being. Sometimes it is the energy that surrounds them, whether it be through nature, people, or just their inner being. Whatever our beliefs, we must embrace the hope that when shadows seem to intrude and overwhelm, 
it cannot have full domain, as light must always be present as well. These past few months have definitely taken a toll, not only on our family, but so many people going through these rough times and question, where is our light? It is there, for there cannot be a shadow without light. May it find its way to embrace you. Thanks, Candy, for letting me share that. When the light comes, it makes everything around it better. And the shepherds were at the bottom of the totem pole in their society. They were the poor, the, the lowly shepherds, often viewed as a nuisance because they, graved their, they grazed their sheep on other people's land. And, and to, it was to these lonely shepherds, people at the bottom of society, the people who needed good news the most, the most vulnerable, that God announced the good news of Jesus's birth. You know you're seeing the light when it's good news to people who need it the most. Maybe the light in 2020 looks like texting somebody who lives alone and you know has to feel lonely around Christmas time this year. Maybe it's dropping off a bowl of soup on the doorstep of somebody you know is sick. Maybe it's wearing a mask and, and physically distancing and getting vaccinated and, and staying home and, and slowing the spread. Maybe the light looks like a kind word. Just deciding to care about the well-being of other people or showing empathy and kindness. Maybe it's thinking about the needs of everybody, not just the greed of a few. Maybe it looks like opposing racism and authoritarianism when you see it. Maybe it looks like saying thank you to other people when you see them sharing the light. Last Sunday, we watched a video of an ICU nurse telling her story of the, of the ICU nursing unit in her hospital in Washington. She told the story of her team caring for patients who were struggling and some dying with COVID-19. And when you watch it, you feel so much gratitude for people who are really risking their lives to care for people during the pandemic. And we owe a tremendous thank you to medical professionals and, and essential workers like teachers and grocery store cashiers and all of you who have kept going to work and, and kept the wheels of society turning during this time. Maybe the light looks like appreciating that we are experiencing something horrible together and that we need each other and thanking those of us who have given more than others. Maybe the light in 2020 looks like reason, medical science, listening to doctors, the truth versus conspiracy theories, facts versus lies. Maybe it looks like using our brains that God gave us. The light makes everything around it better. And you know it's good news. You know it's the light when it's good news to people who need it the most. Every January, I try to give a sermon series that is relevant to whatever is going on at that time, some pressing topic that we're experiencing at that time. And uh, this January, uh, starting on January 10th, we're starting a new sermon series about faith and reason called, If God Gave You a Brain, It's Okay to Use It in Church. And during this series, we're going to talk about the relationship between faith and reason, faith and science, faith and medical science, conspiracy theories, vaccines, critical thinking skills, and interpreting the Bible in the light of its historical context. I think that's one of the most relevant things we could talk about right now 
as we move into 2021 America? What is the relationship between people who want to follow Jesus and reason and medical science and, and facts versus conspiracy theories and propaganda and lies? If God gave you a brain, it's okay to use it in church. Let's watch the quick promo. I'm finalizing a date right now with a guest speaker who is a global security specialist who is an expert in disinformation and propaganda, who will speak to us about how to recognize propaganda and use critical thinking skills during this series. And then I'm also excited to announce on the last day of that series, February 14th, the well will welcome special guest Pete Enns. Uh, Dr. Pete Enns is the Abram S. Clemens Professor of Biblical Studies at Eastern University. He earned a PhD from Harvard and is the author of, of many books, including The Sin of Certainty, Genesis for Normal People, and The Evolution of Adam. Pete hosts a podcast entitled The Bible for Normal People that many of you listen to, I know, with over 5 million listens. And, and Pete will be our guest speaker here at The Well by video, of course, on February for, uh, 14th during the series, If God Gave You a Brain, It's Okay to Use It in Church. And so I encourage you to invite friends to the series starting January 10th. And we're going to explore the relationship between people of faith and how we approach propaganda and conspiracy theories and how we can use our brains and support science and interpret the Bible in the light of its historical context. You know you're seeing the light when it's good news to people who need it the most. And in the early 20th century, Polio threatened some of the most vulnerable people in our society, mostly children. It paralyzed its victims, even rendering them unable to breathe, and, and victims would have to be placed in an iron lung, a, a machine they would lay inside that would breathe for them. Some were crippled for the rest of their lives, uh, having to use a wheelchair as a result of polio. And in 1938, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt created a nonprofit called the March of Dimes, encouraging mostly children to donate toward a polio vaccine. Lapel pins were created and sold for a dime, and, and the proceeds went toward the creation of a vaccine. And FDR urged children and, and their parents to, to donate a dime and mail it to the White House in and, and, and the hopes of developing a polio vaccine that could, that could help you know, prevent other children from contracting this horrible disease. And during his thir uh, January 30th, 1938 birthday radio address, FDR said this after thousands of cards and dimes had been sent to the White House. FDR said, during the last few days, bags of mail have been coming literally by the truckload to the White House. Yesterday, between 40 and 50,000 letters came uh, to the mailroom of the White House. Today, an even greater number. How many? I cannot tell you, for we can only estimate the actual count by counting the mailbags. And all the envelopes are dimes and quarters and even dollar bills, gifts from grown-ups and children, mostly from children, who want to help other children get well. It is glorious to have one's birthday associated with a work 
like this, glorious like the light that shone around the shepherds on that first Christmas. And then there was another outbreak of polio in the 1950s. And using funding like this and moved by the, the threat of polio to the most vulnerable in our world, the scientific community launched an assault on polio. And in 1955, a vaccine was developed that would be used for decades to come and eventually eliminated polio from the United States and from the Western Hemisphere. And may the same be true of the COVID-19 vaccine. You know you're seeing the light when it's good news to people who need it the most. Light looks like caring about the most vulnerable among us, the young, the old, those who are high risk, those who are at an economic disadvantage and are feeling the financial strain of 2020 and 2021. Blake Leeper is a world record holding runner who is a double amputee. And he runs on blades, prosthetic devices, and he holds the 400 meter record in the Paralympics. And he's proud of who he is. He actually said in a TED talk that he is thankful for his disability. He, he is proud of who he is. And definitely you can say that he has taken his circumstances and he has made the most out of them. And a video went viral this week of a two-year-old boy named KJ who had his leg amputated. And he was given a prosthetic leg and he had to learn to walk on this prosthetic leg. And Blake Leeper was there to help KJ feel confident and that he could do it as he learned to walk on his prosthetic leg. Let's watch. He's standing up on his other legs. Uh oh, I got my legs on now. I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Thanks, Stephanie. You're doing great. You're doing awesome. Look at him. Uh -oh. You're almost there. See my, my hand looks like yours a little bit. You better go. Are you ready? Let's go. Step. By step. By step. By step. By step. Come on. By step. My step. Oh, come on. Can you do that? <laughs> you know you're seeing the light when it's good news to people who need it the most. And, and to little KJ, who was struggling to learn to walk, seeing Blake Leaper there was the light to him. And in the darkest year that most of us have ever experienced. We're wondering, how do we celebrate Christmas? How do we talk about the light of Christmas? Well, we welcome the light. And we know that light when we see it, because it makes everything around it better. And it's good news to people who need it the most. Maybe, maybe you feel like that's you. Or maybe the call of Christmas this year is to think in new ways about people who are struggling in our society. And while we are grieving and we may not feel the same level of happiness we would no normally feel at Christmas time, we can feel some deep inner joy that perhaps we are learning 
more about how to empathize and be kind and see life through the eyes of others like those shepherds and and like people who are learning to walk again for the first time and the most vulnerable among us. And we are learning what the light looks like because we now know what the darkness feels like. And that light is good news to people who need it the most. Sometimes religion is the enemy of the light. That's no surprise. That's, that's been going on for a long time. But we know when the light of Jesus Christ arrives because it's good news to those who need it the most. I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for the story of Christmas and what it means when we are celebrating Christmas in the darkest year that most of us have ever experienced. Many of us right now are grieving. We're grieving many losses, maybe the loss of loved ones, maybe the loss of feelings of safety because of COVID-19, maybe the loss of trust in our government and trust in the United States, trust in the American dream. We're grieving the hatred that we see around us, the division, the racism. We're grieving the loss of normalcy. And we're wondering, how do we celebrate Christmas in the darkness of 2020? Perhaps for the first time in our lives, we are learning what the light of Christmas really means. The light is an overused metaphor. And, and it's used so much when we talk about religion, we lo- probably lose sight of its meaning and, and maybe we're learning what it means for the first time actually. That light is good news to the people who need it the most. That may be us right now. It may be that we're seeing for the first time others in a new light in their need and that we are growing as people as we celebrate Christmas this year, growing to be more like Jesus in our compassion, in our empathy, in our gratitude. And that light is revealing reality to us. So whether that light is comforting to us in our grief, in our time of need, whether that light is, is showing us how to see life through other people's eyes, Perhaps that's what it means to celebrate Christmas at 2020. And may we welcome, maybe that's what it means to celebrate Christmas in 2020. And may we welcome the light at the end of 2020. In Jesus' name, everybody said.